and welcome to the Deskblade Ada. Hey everybody, and a happy Daylight Saving Sunday to all y'all. Uh, if you're not watching the Grammys, you're here with us, Deskblade Ada. We're doing some engineering, and sometimes we do sing, although I don't think I'd win a Grammy for my singing. That said, uh, we do have some uh, discounts going on right now. If you want to pick up some components, maybe a Raspberry Pi for Pi Day for a song and a half, uh, we've got a 10% off discount code. Use the code PIDAY. It's running until the end of today. I think after that, it's off. So it's yeah, just for, so you have two hours. You have a couple hours. Yeah. Pi Day. Um, yeah, and celebrating Pi Day, uh, let's just jump right in because this is on my screen. How is the, this possible? The head of Eben, I know. Well, this is a little uh, demo for the Raspberry Pi Pico, the RP2040. This is the nightmare. Uh, the RP2040 chip. Um, well, we actually... Don't forget, DigiKey had a, um, a live stream today with uh, Samantha from Pi Foundation, uh, Sean from DigiKey, uh, Mike from Make, uh, JP, and um, this Kirk from SparkFun, CTO. And uh, they talked about the RP2040. And I put together a DVI breakout. So uh, you want to pop over to the overhead real fast, and I'll show what the magic is. So this is the RP2040 uh, Pico board. And uh, connecting to um, three, uh, sorry, four sets of wires. We've got clock, uh, yeah, clock, uh, TX0, TX1, TX2. So three differential pairs and one differential clock uh, with plenty of grounds in between to this uh, DVI breakout. And that's, it's HDMI, but like we call it DVI probably just because we don't have to pay the HDMI uh, licensing fee. Uh, so it's a DVI breakout, and um, all it does is basically give you those pins in a row so that you can use this, you know, standard uh, connector. If I unplug this, will it break everything? Or? Um, let's see what happens when you unplug it. It's okay. super fun. And then we'll it. Ding dong. Nothing. Okay, it's gone. It's the nothingness. Um, so it's got that standard connector that y'all know and love, and um, yeah, when you plug it in, uh, you get DVI output. And I think they got like up to like 4K or something, or 2K video. Uh, I don't think they have audio going over the video, but the audio you could do separately over I2S. This is a little breakout I put together, and it works fine. More proof that, um, you know, people always say, like, oh, you have to be really careful with your routing with, like, DVI and stuff. I'm like, well, you know, you could actually do it on a solderless breadboard, which is, you know, a crime. But uh, differential signals are very uh, durable. They'll put up with a lot of abuse. So this works great, and um, I think it would be fun. People could get video games going. Um, on a RP2040, maybe wire up like a Wii controller or like a SNES controller and play, maybe play some um, arcade games or emulators. It's just fun that you can do this all on a Cortex-M0 using PIO. How fun is that? Fun. Yeah, and I think, you know, sometimes in... So the maker and hobbyist community, we're the ones that are pushing the boundaries. We're overclocking. We're doing all sorts of stuff. And um, I think everyone should celebrate that. Yeah. And not be like, you know... Don't do that, police. Be be the. This is the, hacky. This is like, be cool. You want cool hacky stuff because all the cool hacky stuff stuff is what pushes the state of the art. And that's what we're trying to do here. It's cool. It's right, hacky. So. It's cool and hacky. So I thought you know this is neat. I'm gonna have this breakout because I thought it was actually really useful. There's always times when I need to do DVI HDMI stuff, but I'm also thinking now maybe making like a feather wing for Back. the RP high for the RP2040 feather so you could plug it in and get maybe I2S out audio out and like. Um, HDMI, DVI out, and then maybe like an edge connector for um, uh, connecting like a um, 
a nunchucky board. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm still thinking about it. But that's, so that's my first demo. This is DVI Breakout. Thank you for that. I'm going to unplug this, okay? Yeah. So It did nothing. Everything worked out. Yeah, I just want to make sure. Okay, so I'm going to toss the cable over there. So that's demo number one. Second, we talked, um, I think, a week or two ago about uh, mechanical keys. So I think I showed off, you know, this is a uh, kale key with um, a, a small key cap. Uh, it's a mechanical key. And um, there are these cool sockets you can get. I made a breakout for uh, a socket. Let me see. I'm be able... Can I zoom in on this one? No, I have to I have to actually manually move it, huh? Did it come out? Can I do it again? Do it again? Okay. Yeah. You can do it. No. Yeah. Okay, whatever. Um, so this little breakout. This is a socket for one of the switches, and if you put the holes in the right location, um, this switch clicks in. So you can see, like, here, profile, and then this is the um, switch going into the PCB, and it goes through the PCB and into the socket. And uh, so it clips into these two pins, and then you can see the, the positioning hole in the center. It actually works pretty well. Um, there's also a slot in this switch for an LED. You can use, like, a through-hole... LED if it goes all the way up, or if it's very small, like a 1.8 millimeter LED. Or you can use an RGB LED. Um, so remember I talked about those through-hole, sorry, not through-hole, surface mount, reverse mount NeoPixels. Um, so I did that. The only thing is I, um, of course, got the reverse mount upside down, right? Like I, I, I didn't flip the pins properly to do the reverse mount. So I did uh, fix it on this little, little breakout over here by, uh, well, you know, just being a little creative. But it um, works fine. So this is the breakout showing like the NeoPixel you see sticking up here. And then um, when you attach the switch, it, uh, it comes out through and, and illuminates the keycap. Um, I did make this a little bit bigger. Right now it's exactly the same size as a key, but it turns out you can't connect to these headers over here because the switch is like in the way. So I extended this out by 0.1 inch just to give it a little bit more height. So it doesn't tile perfectly on um, the 0.75 inch boundary, but it's a trade-off. It's just a little breakout. It's meant to make it really easy to use mechanical keycaps. Um, and I also, so I'm gonna go back out. Um, I also designed a feather wing. So the feather wing holds two keys. So I'll show that. There's two switches, uh, two NeoPixels. Um, and you can, you know, that's just connected directly to like two GPIO pins for the switches and then one GPIO pin for the NeoPixel. It's really simple. There's no like GPIO expander or assistant or whatever. It's just like literally two, two switches, but you can, you can cut these traces and rewire them however you like. Um, it's going to be kind of fun. So that's that. And then uh, this switch goes here and I'll show you what it looks like. So I just wired this up. So this switch is basically mimicking this one. It's on the same. GPIO, so there you go, and then, hold on, did I use something wrong? Uh-oh, uh-oh, I think I uploaded the wrong code to it. Oh, no, it's offset by one. Oh, sorry about that. Okay, now, now we're talking. Um, okay, so this switch, I have like, you know, it's connected the same GPIO as this one. So you can see the NeoPixel shining through. It's really bright, but it's shining up and it's, you know, way washed out on the overhead. 
Um, but here, you know, it's kind of illuminating the bottom half of the key. I will say it's not an even um, illumination. I kind of wish it was, but I think that's just like part of the part of the bargain. I don't know why. Did I mess this all up? Hold on, let me reset this just in case. No, weird. I don't know. Maybe I uploaded the wrong example code or something. But um, anyway, we got two switches, and normally each one lights up. But I don't know. My demo stopped working. Um, but it, it still shows like you, know, you get two keys and uh, the LEDs coming through. So all I have to do is on um, these, I'm going to just swap those NeoPixels again, fix the reverseness of them, um, and. Uh, I uh, also added a STEM QT connector on one end. There's a little spot here, and JP was like, hey, can you put a STEM QT on there? I was like, yeah, that's a good idea. So I did that. So those, those got ordered as well. All right. Okay. Oh, that was so weird. What did, I, what did I do wrong here? Oh, well, we'll never find out. Tragic. Um, okay, but usually it does work. Great, so that's demo number two. Then the third thing I got is um, it's STEM Sunday. I put together um this tca 4307 so this is an interesting it's a hot swap i squared c controller so it's perfect for stem qt because you put your uh, i squared c controller here in the peripheral on this side and what it does is it doesn't connect them until like they're both synchronized up and um there's no like jitter like sometimes if you hot plug the the charging of the scl line on the peripheral will 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 cause it to kind of stay low for a bit, which means all of your I squared C gets desynchronized because your clocks have to be like, whatever nine, these are nine clocks per transaction or whatever number of clocks. And if you're off by one, like everything gets kind of like messed up. Um, so this is why normally I don't recommend hot swapping I squared C, or if you do just realize that there's a risk that you're, you're when you hot, you, know, you connect a cold device into an active I squared C perf, um, controller, the peripheral will, will cause it to, to hang. So I was going to show a demo. This I definitely don't know if it's going to work because the thing is, is that, you know, once you have the controller running and the peripheral charged, it doesn't do the hanging thing anymore, but let's try it. So I've got my I squared C scanner going on here. You can see it's, it's testing each one. So let me see if I can make this hang. No, see, this is the thing. It's not going to hang because I'm doing a live demo. one more time otherwise you're just gonna believe me that like you know it broke like 15 times when I was when I wanted to break it doesn't break let me see well, you get a number to light up huh you get a number well it's supposed to hang oh, it's not gonna do it usually when I'm not on camera if I plug it in it actually like faults it stops because the I squared C is gets into a bad loop because it's the the SCL line got triggered low. The problem is that once you've plugged in a peripheral, which I like, you know, plugged in a bunch of these earlier, um, once you plug it in, it charges up um, the capacitor on the SCL line on the peripheral, and so you don't, you're not going to get that hang effect. Oh, there you go. Ha! I knew it. So you see, it, it stopped. It, it hung, because I finally found one that was like truly cold. Um, so the capacitor was, you know, completely zeroed out, and then that charging caused a glitch. Um, and so the scanner actually stopped, which it shouldn't have, right? It should have just said like that address 45 wasn't found or, or it was, maybe this is, that's the address this is on 
44. Um, maybe if you just plug it in exactly the wrong time while it's, while it's trying to get a response so you can get the I2C controller to crash. So the neat thing about the TCA uh, 47, 4307 is that it doesn't ever happen when you have it plugged in because it, it doesn't connect both sides of the bus until um, both sides are prepared and you're not like in the middle of a transaction um, and then it will join them together for you. So like people who've done this know exactly what I'm talking about. If you haven't, like just hot swap I2C devices and eventually you'll cause this crash. You'll be like, why is it crashing? That's why. And this is the uh, chip you could use to fix it. Well, there you go. So that's a, my demo. I'm glad I finally got it to not work. That's how demos go. The ones that are not supposed to work, work. And the ones that are supposed to work, don't. That's engineering. Um, okay, and then finally, before we head into the great search, we do have a super secret. It's not out yet. Yeah, this is a world premiere. World so premiere. We're showing something that no one's ever seen before. Shh. What's going on? Don't tell anyone. Yes, actually tell everybody. So this is under embargo, but we got we got permission to talk about it. Um, so Digikey has a new service that they're adding. Um, it's it's called the part tracing for cut tape. Um, and so let's go to the overhead and I'll show what it is. So chances are you're used to getting, you know, this is some cut tape 0402s or something, or maybe 0201s. And you're like, yeah, like I, I know these, this is, this is cut tape. Cut tape, get your parts, peel them off. But what you don't have is on the back of the cut tape printing. So let me get like real down here. And let me. Okay, that's pretty. That's pretty good, right? Okay, you can see it. Um, so on the back, you can have custom printing. I think you can focus. Maybe make that level. Oh yeah. Yeah, and then let it focus. It's, just, it's curved. Yeah, no, okay. <clears throat> now you're good. Oh, super crisp. Okay, so you can put um, date codes, lot codes, uh, country of origin, uh, manufacturer, uh, uh, sales order number, purchase order number, and your own component ID. So, um, you know, you can say, you know, if this is your, your component ID or is this your number 111? You can say how many there were. You can say what it is. Okay, so like you know that you have like 0201s. You are never going to know what it is. Like if you if you lose the bag it came in, there's no markings. Even like 0603s sometimes don't have markings. You know, sometimes actually 0805s. I've had 0805s that don't have markings, uh, depending on who you're getting them from. And then capacitors, yeah, you're definitely out of luck. So what's neat about this is that on the tape itself, it'll tell you what it is. Great for if you're doing outsource manufacturing or even if you're just doing like your own in-house manufacturing and you and you get these these blasted O2 01s where you're like, you know, it's like dust. It actually looks like a mistake. It's like, oh no, they forgot the resistors. No, they're there. They're just really small. So um, I got sent two examples of it. And so we'll try this out too. And then uh, for those who are interested, let's go to the computer and I'll show you where you can find info. That's secret. Go to digikey.com slash n slash resources slash part tracing. Part that dash tracing is the, uh, I'm going to make this, I don't know if, uh, I can't make this part big. Um, but that you can add tracing ID. Here's the stuff you can add. Um, and there's some information you have to, um, 
looks like they're printing on all eligible cut tape automatically. So it doesn't doesn't look like it's no, it's free. Wow, cool. All right, even better. Um, so pre-service, it comes automatically. Um, I guess you don't have to opt in, but not all parts are going to have this to start. So um, it's definitely going to take. It's going to be for uh, like fiber paper backed cut tape to start because those are the easiest to print on. Like if you have those big plastic ones, um, those are you know not going to have it because it's harder to print on them. Um, but you know maybe they can start with all the O2 ones or 402s capacitors um, and inductors, like the toughest ones, and then eventually they can maybe move up. So this is a, this is kind of neat, you know, like maybe the machine that um, normally does the counting and cutting will also do the printing. So it's a kind of neat thing. Said they, they, they said they were working on this for like over a year and a half. So it's finally launching and I guess it'll be public on Monday. Um, I ordered some cut tape, so I don't know, maybe we'll see if the cut tape order comes with uh, some printing on the back. Yeah, Monday's in a few hours. We'll see. Okay. Let's see. Worldwide premiere. Let's see. Eight millimeter paper carrier tape with at least eight inches. So you have to do the math. But check out more info. Uh, to be honest, I did not. Uh, I just got these like on Friday and I was like, can I check this out? So uh, this is all new to me. Um, but this is really neat. I think uh, I will definitely use this because... Um, I, I have those little tweezers and like I have to, you know, when I have cut tape, I have to check the values. It'd be much nicer if I actually just had the values printed on the back. I think most people who deal with small parts will agree. So, okay, Not check that out. Here. Okay. All right, next up we have our great search that we're going to do this week. Yes. Uh, which is, it's a DigiKey doubleheader. It is. Um, so we have the Great Search, which oh, there's is brought to you by... Oh, there's cute little logo on the back. They printed a little logo. Why don't you show that before? Oh, uh, it's so cute. Search. Hold on. I didn't see that because it was at the very end. Look at that. It's Maybe. so small. Wait, it's upside down. This is like a DigiKey logo for ants. Yeah. See that? Okay. Anyways, sorry. Back to the Great Search. <laughs> you were talking about... All right. Ready, ready to do this? <laughs> yes. Okay. Where is... All right, the great search brought to you by DigiKey and Adafruit every single week. Lady Ada, what is the great search this week? Okay, this week's great search is due to uh, a part um, discontinuation. I have to find a replacement for our resistive touchscreen controllers. Uh, so we have lots of screens. Adafruit's kind of known for all the TFT screens that we stock. And when we have ones with resistive touchscreens, we like to put a resistive touchscreen uh, controller driver on the back. Um, some chips have, you know, multiple analog digital converters. You can kind of do the resistive touchscreen handling um, on chip, but uh, you know, a resistive uh, driver is not too expensive. And for boards like the Raspberry Pi, when we can connect a touchscreen to Raspberry Pi, we add an I squared C or SPI converter to read those analog values of the resistive touchscreen and convert them to like X, Y coordinates. Um, so for many, many, many years, we have used the uh, STMPE series. We started with the STMPE 610 and then we updated it to the STMPE 811 uh, and we were using that for many years and then it got discontinued but we were still able to purchase a bunch of parts but as of this week like we cannot get any more parts like they were really gone. We, we went through like every backstock, every broker, everything. So the STMPE 811 is no more so we have to find a replacement 
and um, looking for a replacement. Well, one thing I really liked about the STMP series is it was both I squared C and SPI. Uh, so it would be cool if I could find one of those. That said, if not, I'm willing to go with, you know, one part for I squared C and one part for SPI. Um, I'm looking for something easy to use. And most importantly, I'm looking for something that already has Linux kernel drivers. Because I don't want to have to write a driver for the resistive touchscreen. I'd really like it if it just, like, magically worked when I connected up the chip and um, gave it a device tree overlay. So uh, let's go to DigiKey and... Uh, let's first off let's show the part that uh, is sadly no more it happens you know you have to be ready for it um, that's why you would buy stuff you know if you're if you need product to the last 10 years you have to buy 10 years worth of stock or you have to just be ready and willing to re-engineer it don't ever count on a part being forever even from large companies they eventually stop so this is the STMPE 811 so sad a four-wire resistive controller. It had this really nice thing. It was both I squared C and SPI. Um, so just for fun, let's see if uh, there's any that are I squared C and SPI um, within the um, touchscreen category. I don't care who it's by. I don't really care what package it is. Obviously, I'm not going to pick obsolete. I want it to be active. Um, voltage supply doesn't matter because it's going to be different, but it's, as long as it covers 3.3, Oh, I do want surface mount, and the package doesn't matter. I'm not expecting to get something that's the same package. It's That's a lot to ask, because there's not that many resistive touchscreen controllers. Um, so there is, there's a couple. So there's the, uh, well, this one's not active, so let's, let's only look at active ones. So it looks like there's this uh, BU21021, nice symmetric name. Um, this one looks pretty good, but it's in like a BGA format, which I really, really don't want to deal with. So unfortunately, that one, I'm going to say no. So let's look at the BU2124. So it's not, you know, too bad. The pricing is a little expensive. It's $2 for $1,000. Um, considering usually I can get a touchscreen controller for under a buck, um, this is where it's like, you know, how much do I want a chip that does both? versus the price. In this case, I tend not to need both I squared C and SPI at the same time. Again, for Raspberry Pi displays, I'm using SPI or you know, I use one or the other. I'm not, I'm not switching between the two. Um, same with um, shields and stuff. I have a touchscreen shield. I'm using um, only one or the other. I don't switch between the two. So you're wondering, how do I know if there's a Linux kernel driver? Well, I actually opened up, if you go to github.com and then go to Torvalds, Linux, Blobmaster, whatever, input touchscreen, this tells you all of the available um, touchscreen drivers. Are they any good? That's for me to find out later, but I can at least find out if there is some support in the Linux kernel for them. So in this case, I'm going to search for this part number and see if anything comes up. Uh, unfortunately, nothing has come up. So I start deleting some characters. So it looks like the 21029 is supported. This is the 21024. So it might work, but you know, it's not, it's not guaranteed. And let's see, there's the, oh, here it is, the 21024. Okay, so this one is supported, so that's cool. So this is, a, this is an option um, for me to look at. Just, just nice and positive. Again, you have to be careful about your search because it was, 
the is a dash 24 so you just delete characters off of the end when you do the search until you find one that's close and then sometimes it also supports the variance um so yeah that's what you got the 029 so it's cool so this is supported the price is a little bit high but i know that it's available it's also only 8 bit which i feel like i could get more bits for two bucks uh, but maybe you know they're just like, hey, you know, if you're desperate for something that does I squared C and SPI, this is, this is it. This is the only option you got. That's not VGA and it still exists. All right, so let's go back and keep looking. Um, so let's get rid of interface. Um, and let's, uh, so we still have active only. And now remember, I really, I really don't want to deal with VGA. It's always, I mean, like, I'm not against it, but like, let's not, right? Yeah. It's my preference. So let's um, let's look through all these packages and remove ones that I don't want. So DFN is okay. I don't want BGA or chip scale or WLSCP, which is also chip scale. QFNs are okay. QSOPs are okay. SOPs are okay. I don't want CSP again, chip scale. I don't want QFN, QFN. That's okay. More QFN, SOP, QFN, no BGA, QFN, TSOPs. I'll go up to 32 Q TSOP, but 64 QFP is ridiculous. I'm not going to take that. That's too big. All right, so I got rid of the BGAs. So that at least I'm not going to get any parts that I'm totally unwilling to use. I'm also going to look at um, normally stocking. So I'm only looking at ones that are, that are around. Um, so to start, I'm actually going to look at... Um, so I, I'll tell you something just to watch out for. So normally I would search for, like, interface, but I noticed that there's, like, I2S here... And then some say serial, but when they say serial, they mean SPI. So I think I'm going to, like, I, I, I will acknowledge that there's this interface selector box, but I don't completely want to use it because I'm not sure what serial means in this case. It's kind of obscure. Is it, is it UR? Is it SPI? You know, who knows? Like, why is I2S in there? So I'm going to leave that be. Um, next up, I'm going to, so there's nothing really else. All of these are within the voltage ranges I can use. I don't really care about the current supply or the operating temperature. Again, the packages are okay. Voltage reference, you know, I'll, I'll deal with it. Um, I kind of don't want tube, but I'm not willing yet to say no tubes. So instead, I'm going to just uh, do my classic search by price. And um, I see immediately, like, there's some super cheap ones up here and I kind of like oh I've got the the Rochester let me exclude the the marketplace once so I look at only because the marketplace are going to get the same thing but sold under different names so removing that I'm only getting lots of TI parts looks like TI Semtech analog devices do a couple but you know the prices start getting really high again it's like you know four dollars per let me look at prices at 1000 so I can I can honestly compare these. So yeah, basically, you know, there's t all the parts that are like under a dollar is going to be TI. And then Semtech comes in a little bit. Um, all these are 12 bits. So that's kind of good. And then it looks like for my options, these are kind of different packages of the same part. See, it's like TSC 2046 and then IPWR. That's this TSOP and then IPW, this is the non-reeled, and this is the QFN version. But it looks like the, the, what's definitely popular here is this TSC 2046. It's very promising. 
because again, I, I, I don't, I want something that is inexpensive, reliable, and will be around for a long time, right? I want all three. So let's go here and let's search for TSC 2046. So it looks like the TSC 2046 is actually supported under the ADS 7846 driver, which is a, which is a driver even I've heard of. Um, so that's a, a popular touchscreen controller and it sounds like this is like the next generation and it's register compatible so you can use the same driver, which is nice. I like that. Um, so this chip is going to be really good. And this one is SPI. And then down here you see I squared C serial. This one is the TSC 2007. Oops. So this one is also supported. And it looks like there's a couple different options. It looks like you can do ADC. You can act, it can act as an IO expander or something. Not weird. Um, so these are two good options. Both are available in 16 TSOP. Kind of wondering if these are uh, pin compatible. That would be kind of neat. Let's see. Let's see. It sounds like there's there's a couple families. This is the... There is a BGA version. There's a QFN version. Is there a TSOP version? Oh, weird. Huh. Okay. Maybe it's not actually available in TSOP. So it's available in QFN. So let's look at QFN here. And then let's pop back over here and download the TSC. Oh, sorry. Already done. Sorry. I downloaded the wrong one. Okay, so this is the TSC 207. This is the I squared C one, which has two address pins. Okay, sorry, this is the TSOP. And then let's download the 2046. Looks like this is from Burr Brown, which they got acquired a bit ago. Okay, so it looks VCC, X plus X minus Y. BDD and then ground, NCNC ground, VBAT aux. So the, yeah, this has like some more options. Aux, D-clock, SD. Okay, so it looks, looks like it's a little bit compatible. Well, not completely. Oh, the IRQ changed. So they're not pin compatible, but they're, they're same physical size. So, you know, whatever. That's good for me. So these are the two options. And then, you know, I actually went over to the TI website to check. Um, were there any touchscreen controllers that had both I squared C and SPI? And the answer is no, there aren't. So, I mean, I kind of wanted that, couldn't get it, but I am really happy that I can get two touchscreens that are kind of from the same family. So, hopefully, they can share some of that driver code. One I squared C, one SPI, same package. So, you know, I might be able to like at least reuse the footprint somewhat. You know, it's like the copper traces would be different but the footprint of the part would be pretty similar um left hand side is the same right hand side would need to be rerouted but that way i can maybe make breakouts for the same chip that would be i squared c or spi and it would allow people to use um, resistive touch controllers with linux and then hopefully arduino there's probably drivers already existing and then we'll write something in python as well so that's kind of going to be my choice for Replacing the STMPE um, 811 is going to be this TSC 2046.
Sounds cool. It's also like I think the um, the name of the next Blade Runner movie. All right. That's a great search. That's it. Where in the world is that part I need? The great search with DJ Key. All right, two questions. Mm. Um, did you have a part number linked to the key switch holder? Oh, the socket? They're called kale switches. Okay. Uh, we'll have them in stock. Um, they're not available from like your common distributors. However, there's a lot of like DIY mechanical keyboard sites and they're available there. Okay. Some folks answered this, but they want to know what's the barcode on the uh, cut oh, tape. Oh, on the cut tape? And uh, someone said the first alphanumeric code is represented in the barcode. That code traces a piece of cut tape back to the original reel it came from. That's cool. Thanks. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, but that, that makes sense. I mean, usually if you're doing, um, you know, you want to track parts. Uh, we use barcodes to, to track our parts, too. Yeah. All right. Uh, people like to part development in real time here. Yeah. And uh, maybe for a future one, USB hub controller. Ooh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm making a breakout for one, and um, I'm going to try it out, and then if it's good, we'll, I'll do it in the great search. It's good. That's a good suggestion. And it'll, right. There's some good USB hub chipsets that are available. They're not too expensive. Uh, someone says Genesis Logic, or sorry, Genesis Logic is good. Okay. SMSC hubs are popular. Okay. Good to know. Yeah, yeah, SMSC. Those are the microchip. Microchip purchased them. All right. We'll All right. see everybody during the week. Keep staying safe. Tunnel, light, in it. Um, we'll see everybody on Ask an Engineer this week, Show and Tell, and Pedro are doing. We got JP doing the um, product showcase on mm -hmm. Tuesday, workshop on Thursday, Scott doing deep dive on Friday, yeah, and uh, a whole bunch of videos and more all throughout the week. Thanks for supporting us. If you have time, you have an hour and a half. Go to our website. You'll see the banner, and there is 10 a sale. Off. Yes, so. till the end of today, you have a little bit more than an hour. All right. <laughs> and then we're going to shut off the code. See everybody soon. Thanks, everybody.